Hey everybody, welcome to 10,000 Feet, the OST podcast. On this episode, we have Meredith Bronk, our president and CEO here at OST. OST is a business and technology consultancy headquartered in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but we also do have offices in Detroit and Minneapolis. So Meredith actually joined the OST family over 21 years ago as a project manager. So she wouldn't necessarily self-identify as a technologist, but she certainly is leading us in that space. So on this first episode, um, we were able to talk about the name of our podcast, the true challenges with digital transformation, and some tips for making that shift. So let's get into it. Welcome to 10,000 Feet, and I hope you enjoy our first episode. This is our first episode of 10,000 Feet, the OST podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited that ha- to have you here. Um, do you want to set up for our listeners why we chose 10,000 feet I, as our podcast name. I would love to because I think it's so awesome. Um, when we were first talking about it, the thing that struck me about 10,000 feet is when you're flying, and I fly a lot, when mm-hmm. you fly, kind of what happens at 10,000 feet, right? Wi-Fi comes on, you get to kind of cruising, mm-hmm. uh, you're still close enough to the ground that you can see the houses and you can see the trees and you can see what's on the ground, but you know you're headed toward cruising altitude, 30,000 yeah. feet. Uh, And when I think about what we do and what we're going to talk about and what we're trying to do on this podcast is navigate that, kind of be at 10,000 feet, uh, high enough to see the details, but not so high that we're uh, not relevant to what's on the ground. Absolutely. I am so excited to be talking about it. We've got a bunch of guests lined up that I'm excited about. Yeah. So mostly we're really going to be focusing on companies that are undergoing digital transformations. That's a big topic area. But today, I think the one thing that I'm excited to hear from you is um, what's your perspective on like either the most difficult parts or the most exciting parts of those transforming companies. Yeah. When I think about digital transformation and even the buzzwords and, and mm-hmm. kind of as, as I listen to folks uh, talk about it and, and uh, what's happening in the market, so much focus is on the digital side, on the technology side. And my personal passion and the thing that I talk to leaders about mm-hmm. is the human element of that transformation and how in our desire to transform how we run businesses today, how we do what we do, the technology is the enablement. The technology might be the impetus, might create an inflection point, but really the transformation comes when you can change behavior. Mm-hmm. I have to, one thing I'm just wondering, so you went through your executive MBA a handful of years ago at Notre Dame. I did. Was this a conversation that they were having there even a few years ago or has, have you seen it shift recently or what, what's your perspective on that? You know, I think we've been talking about digital transformation for a long time. Mm -hmm. I'd say mainstream adoption. It's, it seems like it's accelerated maybe partially because the economic conditions that we're in right now. It's a good, strong economy. Uh, Companies, a lot of them are thinking about uh, transforming now Mm -hmm. while we can and while they have capital. And and if you're not, maybe you should be um, thinking about that. But I would say for when I was in MBA, yeah, we talked all the time about you have to stay relevant And what does staying relevant mean? It might mean something different today than it meant 10 years ago, but companies that have the capability to continue to evolve are the ones that can, in fact, survive. Did they talk about the human element of it? 
Not as much, not mm. as much, maybe an organizational change and organizational behavioral mm. pieces, yeah. but the connection between innovation and behavioral change is something that I think I've seen more of in the last few years and talking about surely more broadly in the last few years, maybe than before. Yeah. It definitely seems like as a company, it's something that we've shifted our conversation and our lens on having acquired a design firm yes. a couple years ago. Yes. I mean, your leadership has certainly helped transform the way we talk about. Yeah, because when we try to innovate, the technology doesn't fail, the failure. And when it doesn't work, it's because of the human behavioral piece. You know, I think about in that MBA class, I think Mm -hmm. about like Kodak, the case study that was there, that Kodak had the technology, they had the patents, they had the capability to do digital prints a long time before mainstream, you know, picked up on digital uh, photography and they didn't change their own organizational behavior in order to take advantage of that, to be a leader in that market at the time. Mm -hmm. They, They didn't go there. And the reason they didn't doesn't have anything to do with the technology. It has to do with the people and what they chose to do from an organizational behavioral perspective. I mean, that's where the limitation is. I was talking to a president of a manufacturing company a couple weeks ago and thinking about Uh, we were talking about the digital transformation and the customer experience and his vision for how he wants to evolve the entire customer experience, which also is something that is way more prevalent today in the market than it's ever been. And his conversation about the customer experience turned into a conversation that we had about how we change behavior of our sales teams. And so his team that's out there selling his product, the guy that's been buying his product for the last 35 years in a manufacturing plant, probably has his dude's name written on a sticky note stuck to his computer. When he retires, when that guy that's buying it retires and the person comes behind him, the whole experience that that new buyer is going to want to have with this manufacturing company is likely to change. Right. So I'm talking to Joe, this president of this company, and, and, and about how does he change the behavior of his sales team right now to be ready for that inflection point when the customer's expectations shift? Because inevitably they are and they will. Yeah. I read a thing the other day where it said any experience you have is your new um, expectation. So it's yes. like if you have a really positive experience, let's say on a flight, yes. you, you know, all of a sudden like that's your bar. Yes. And I think companies are feeling that right now too in that space. So a hundred percent. Like, mm-hmm. I look at it with my own kids and the experience yeah. that, you know, my oldest is 18, she's in college and the expectation of how things should work, who has access to what information. Right. You know, all of that has totally shifted. And our new buyers, right? We do have people that we work with, managers, people on our team, our leaders and other folks, you know, the leaders that I talk to, the whole expectation is built on why, if I can have this experience with my rental car, why can't I have it with my college? If I can have this with my bank, how come I can't have it, you know, in buying flowers? What are these things that it totally transcends? I was having a conversation uh, earlier today with a bank, the financial institution, and they were talking about the policy changes that they've had to make because you can check your balance on your mobile app and you can get it when the ATM receipt comes out of the mm-hmm. ATM has your balance on it right. and you could check it on the on a on your laptop and if you don't have all of those systems getting their data from the same place you run the risk of getting disparate data even though it's one you know is batch process at the end of the day and one is real time you can't have a different experience at the teller than you have through your mobile app those have to be consistent cuz people expect 
to get the same information and have the same experience regardless of how that works. Right. And so those are the kinds of things that we're solving because I can do banking on my phone. And I mean, it's, it's so much broader than that. It's right. so much bigger than that. So when you are referencing that humans perhaps yes. are the barriers <laughs> to some of those changes, yes. tell me more about that. When I think about, I mean, and and there's statistics that mm-hmm. um, maybe some other people on our podcast will be able to, to talk <laughs> about other episodes about the actual like factoring and what you can do from a compute power perspective and the, what you hold in the palm of your hand. The limitations aren't technological. The limitations are in our own ability to accept change, our own ability to get over our fears, our own ability to trust the information that's out there. And as businesses and as companies who are trying to change our own, the way that we behave so that we can provide a different experience to our customers, mm-hmm. we have to be willing to bring people in and bring people along that behavioral change piece. So to me, when I think about the human side, it is about getting somebody along, uh, finding a champion who you know will will take advantage of this opportunity that you have to come alongside you. Uh, the, the folks who are in your organization, if you're a financial institution, who use their you know, phones for everything that they do. But it's about making sure that you can get people's hearts and minds. Because if you can get their hearts and minds to change the behavior, to me, that's the part that's going to allow you to run confidently and take advantage of the technology. Technology is generally not the inhibitor, right? I think about autonomous cars and autonomous driving. The technology to be able to do that effectively likely exists. Right. It's, yeah. it's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, can we do it fast enough, cheap enough to make it marketable to the masses? You know, we're solving those problems. But you think about the regulatory issues and the compliance issues and the rest of the infrastructure and all of the rest of the things that have to go to actually get people to behave differently, to take advantage of the technology mm-hmm. and the technological capabilities that are out there. That's the part that I get excited about. That's the part that I also have to set expectations about that, hey, we want to do this. We have this great vision. I'll go back to Joe, right, in the manufacturing. He's got this great vision for this customer experience and totally changing the customer experience. He has to find a sales rep who's on board with doing that and is going to go to the guy who buys from him right now today and has a sticky note and says, hold on, I want to walk through with you and and how we're going to make this change. I want to walk through with you how this is going to be okay. And if you can't get your sales team to behave differently, it doesn't matter what the technological capabilities are. It will sit on a shelf. Right. Right. Adoption won't happen. And, you know, none of that will happen because people don't use it. And at the end of the day, it's not because the technology doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It's because it doesn't work for the humans. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of change management. I wonder <laughs> how many leaders are really prepared for that. I I would say when I talk to other leaders it's probably our it's our biggest challenge. Yeah. It's our biggest challenge. How do you get change? How do you get the right leadership that can lead through change? Right. I was talking to a, a a client that wanted to wanted to try, wanted to execute on this vision and he actually started a, a group on the fifth floor where like the CFO wasn't allowed to go to because mm-hmm. they wanted to try this idea mm-hmm. and 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 create a, a you know a, a pilot program or right. whatever of this new tech, technological advancement for their clients and as they they had some success you know in this little incubation phase then the amount of leadership that it takes to get it from that incubation phase to broader adoption and then from broader adoption to 
actual enterprise-wide, the amount of people that you have to get on board who are willing to change, other system changes, all of those things are, I mean, it's a huge impediment, huge impediment. So in those conversations that you're having with other leaders, what are, what are you hearing as far as things that work? Yeah, I would say two things come to mind for me. First of all is start small. Okay. When I've seen it be successful, it's when you have an initial kind of a, initial success. Get that first win, get that first win, get that first win. Find that sales rep who you know is going to go out. Maybe find a, a client that actually is having some turnover because that new buyer is going to retire. You mm-hmm. have somebody new. You find someone that you can have that was willing and ready and able to participate with you in that process. So the ones that I'm seeing who are successful are finding ways to start small and kind of incubate in their own organizations, usually in a really creative way. I mentioned the, the one, seriously, the CFO wasn't involved, wasn't allowed up on the fifth floor. Yeah. Like, hey, great. You can, you don't know what those guys are doing behind yeah. the curtain because we wanted to be able to let it go. Or I'm going to set up a team, a new team alongside the existing team just to try some things out. Mm-hmm. So starting small, I would say when I talk to leaders and I look at the ones who are oh my gosh, they're coming out with fantastic uh, capability and, and innovation inside of a, of a large institution. It's usually because they've been able to carve out something small and get a quick win that then gets the n- notice of both the people who want to be part of that, right? I want to be part of that thing that's so cool. And it gives you the capability and the understanding that you can then take up to the management team, whether it's to a CEO or to the board or to some outside investors or whatever else that might you might need. You need some evidence and starting small and getting a small win usually can help to create some of that evidence that everyone else is going to need in order to change their own behavior. So you have seen, or do you think it is like more of a trend now for enterprises to carve out kind of those innovation hubs with, or do you think it's still like an emerging trend? It feels like it's full on okay. right now. I look at um, the biggest, some of the biggest companies are um, splitting you know, I look at uh, some of the organizations, billion-dollar companies that are becoming HP and right. HPE, right? And they split up. And mm-hmm. if you listen to and talk to those leaders, which I have, it's to move faster. It's mm-hmm. to be able to innovate. It's to be able to focus. Thomson Reuters in the financial sector, you know, they've split so that they could grow. They split so that they could be more focused. They split so that they could move more quickly, which sounds kind of crazy to multi-billion-dollar companies, but that is the trend. It's the trend that I'm seeing in the market. It's because we need to be able to move more quickly. And even a multi-billion dollar company, when breaking off into smaller segments, gives more flexibility to allow for smaller pieces of those organizations to be able to move the ball forward. Yeah. I love the idea of also thinking about innovation in these small ways too, and like how you can kind of build a not just a tolerance, but an appreciation and enthusiasm around thinking through, you know, using innovative solutions on everything from the smallest, you know, how do you email better, you know, or little tools that you can incorporate into a company to kind of like seed that culture of yeah yeah and you just said culture and I think it is there's a cultural mindset that has to happen when I talk to leaders and you think about Mm -hmm. behavioral change you talk about what's the organizational culture for that if it's a culture of fear it's difficult to innovate if there's a culture of power it's difficult to innovate so pulling those some of those traditional structures that have 
been very, very foundational for a lot of companies. And there are some out there that aren't changing. There are some out there that still have a pretty good business and they think that it's going to be okay and they don't want to disrupt what's already working. Uh, The ones who I believe who will be relevant into the future are willing to disrupt their own business model in order to be relevant. They're changing the technological platform in particular, becoming digital companies and this digital transformation, becoming digital companies beyond the physical part or other services that they offer to reach their customers differently and to meet expectations. It's, I mean, it's just a necessity. So in your opinion, Meredith, do you think it, would you rather be if you weren't the president and CEO here at OST? I wasn't like on the beach somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Also <laughs> not that. If you were going to be leading another company, would yeah. you rather be starting something brand new, ground up, a digital-based company, or shifting a traditional business into that space? Man, that's a really interesting question as I think about what it takes to do each of those things and the startup and the idea of doing new, you don't have the baggage of a cultural change. You have the opportunity to create it right off the bat, Mm -hmm. right? You have an idea generally, but you also don't have a lot of the institutional capabilities that an existing company would through transformation. I tend to love the challenge of getting people to realize their full potential and changing their behavior. I like the challenge of having an organization. And I would say even at OST, I've been here for over 20 years. Right. And I think about who we are and what we're doing today to change our behavior, to do things faster and better and leverage technology, to disrupt ourselves and to transform our own business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in addition to, to what we're doing for, for other organizations, that I love that aspect of how I do what I do. It'd be fun to build from the ground up right but I think coming into something that is ripe for the change is is exciting it's exciting to me nice I can't help but think I've been at OST now for just under seven years and when I first started here and I would tell people where I worked they'd be like oh you work in IT isn't that interesting but I'm like not going to ask you any other questions (laughs) because I know nothing about it right yeah and so it's like, unless they also happen to work in IT, then they might want to be like, oh, do you server storage? You know, I'll yeah. be like, okay. But now people say, oh, you work in tech. Yeah. So it's like a total shift on how they view what what that means. 100%. And then it's like, all of a sudden I'm a business owner and I want to talk to you because I want to know what you're doing for companies out that are that are changing, that are saying you know, I grew up in this one space and now I know I have to be a digital company. Yes. It's a totally new world out there. And and what it means and the fear and stigma too, even in, in that story that you mm-hmm. told, I think has also shifted dramatically in the last few years yeah. because we are using technology, not just in the back room totally. and the data center and, you know, kind of behind to enable our work. It is in fact transforming how we think about the value that we can provide right. to one another. Yeah. It's totally changed and it is in tech and digital is in marketing and digital is right. in manufacturing. And we think about smart manufacturing and, you know, the capability, you know, we, I was joking with my kids about they all, they expect an Amazon like experience and everything that they do. And they're used to, oh, if you like this, then maybe you'll like that. And right. the rec- 
recommendations and in those little things that have happened, the presumption of what it, and my kids make fun of me in tech, right? Too. They're like, you know, you're the CEO of a tech company. Yeah. But what that means and what we're capable of doing today and what, what, what is happening in the world and how that's being leveraged has a hundred percent totally shifted. And I think in the last five or six years, yeah. the change has been dramatic and it's happening faster and faster and faster and faster. You look at blockchain technology, you think about some of those things that are even out on the on the further horizon. Those kinds of transformations that don't require as much human intervention or human change as just taking advantage of technological advancements, those things will happen fast. Yeah. Those are happening faster than ever. So the ability to change the underlying infrastructure in a lot of ways that doesn't impact millions and billions of how people think about it, those transformations are happening faster than ever, which is exciting. It is exciting, yeah. 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 So um, what would you say to a company who's listening or thinking to themselves, "Oh boy, how do I start? Like yeah. how do I how do I start helping my organization wrap their heads around moving forward faster?" Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the one of the first things to do is do a little research. Yeah. Right? Do a little research, talk to your customers. One of the biggest dangers that we see, that I see when I talk to folks when they talk about transformation is, well, I think, blah, 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 I think there's something out there. And you're like, have you have you actually talked to a customer? Are you sure that this is something that's going to resonate with them? Right. So get out. If, you, if you're worried about it, get out and talk to your customers. Find out where the demand is. Find out where the real need is. Because at the end of the day, you want to provide something that's that's a necessary part not something that you think might be valuable. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, first step is get out and talk to folks. Do a little research. Uh, research your market. Research kind of what's going on. And then find an internal and external champion in those conversations to start small. If you're thinking about it, try something. You want to change the customer experience Start in sales, start with a particular product, start with a particular line of business, start with something very specific so that you can have a quick win and test out whether or not what you thought might be true is actually true. And don't wait too long to get feedback, right? You think it might be valuable. Cool. Try it out. How long, how long you think that'll take, take you to test something out, go test it out and see whether or not you're right. Yeah. That's a, that's great advice, Meredith. Thanks for uh, taking the time to Set this podcast hey, up man. and uh, talk talk about digital transformation and how important it is to get the people on board. Yes, way more so than yes, you know the technology can at, happen. At the end of the day, I want to see uh, behavior change. Yeah, to absolutely take advantage of the technological capabilities that are out there. Awesome. Well, obviously, you know this piece of information, but our listeners may not, and that is that the OST headquarters are actually in an old game factory in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's called the Druki Game Factory. And so one thing that we're going to try to do with all of our guests is ask them, what is your favorite game? My favorite game, it's not a Druki game. My favorite game is... um, a game called Rummy Cube. Rummy Cube. Rummy Cube. I played it a couple nights ago. My daughter's home from college, and my husband and I and two of my daughters sat and played a couple games of Rummy Cube. Fun game. Easy for, like, aged, you know, 7 to 97. Okay, so your favorite game is Rummy Cube. We actually have a conference room named Rummy. We do have a conference room. So maybe they made Rummy boards here. Maybe. I don't know. I'll have to find out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
thank you so much for your perspective and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Thank you. OST, changing how the world connects together. For more information, go to ostusa.com slash podcast.